Welcome back to the Traders Point Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. Each week, we open up the Bible for just a few minutes and discuss God's Word together. We discuss its meaning and the ways in which we can apply it in our walk as followers of Christ. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, you can visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube as well. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please take just a second to do that so you can stay up to date on all of the content that's put out on this channel. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy today's conversation. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us this week. We're continuing our study through the book of Mark, and we are in chapter 5 this week. We've spent the past several weeks talking uh, through the first few chapters of Mark, And we've hit on some of the unique nature to Mark's writing as it's compared to some of the other gospel accounts. And as we get into chapter 5, we're well into Jesus' ministry at this point. And uh, some of the stories that are contained here are remarkable in nature. And Jeremy and I were kind of joking at the outset. We try to keep these podcasts relatively short. Looking at chapter 5, that may be a little bit of a challenge, but we'll do our best to still uh, talk through some of these things rather quickly. So, Jeremy, before we get into chapter 5, maybe take just a second to to back up a little bit and, and give everyone uh, some, some context as to where we are. Yeah, I mean, early on in the book of Mark, I mean, you have uh, Mark really introducing us to Jesus very quickly. I mean, he doesn't include... Uh, you know, uh, big things and stories about his birth, per se, or his early childhood. He he jumps right into Jesus and, and really jumps into Jesus' teaching, really focusing on Jesus performing miracles and the impact that certainly it has on the city and, and the people around him. And we had a little bit of different, uh, you know, kind of way last week when we were in Mark chapter 4, where you had, you know, some parables and you had some of Jesus' teaching that we talked about then. But when you get back into and to Mark chapter 5, it is now all back to Jesus and his power being demonstrated, and really his power being demonstrated in, in multiple different ways, um, in multiple different capacities. Uh, again, a demon possession uh, comes at the forefront. We've seen that multiple times already here in the Gospel of Mark. And um, you, you see Jesus going to work from distance. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that. Yep. And, um, and and even just the power of a, a simple touch, even, yeah. and the impact mm-hmm. that can have. But really, this chapter is fully focused on Jesus and his power, uh, uh, some compassion for sure, but uh, but really his power comes front and center. You know, what strikes me is as we read through this and, and talk through the stories contained here is really it doesn't matter how many times you read the gospel accounts. And and it's even relatable to those who are around him. They've seen him perform miracles. And yet every time there's a sense of awe that comes with witnessing Jesus and his power over the physical realm, his power over nature, his power over the spiritual realm, as we're going to talk about today with the demon-possessed man. His power is just awe-inspiring, no matter how many times you've read about it, no matter how many times you've seen it. And his apostles are experiencing that kind of in the same way that we are. You and I, and probably many of the people listening, have read the life of Jesus multiple times. And yet, every time, there is just this sense of awe that comes along with what he's doing and where, what he's capable of. And that is... is 
so evident, you know, here in chapter five, as we are introduced to this demon possessed man, and you can see the the torment certainly that uh, he is he is captive to, but you also get a glimpse behind the curtain a little bit into the spiritual realm which we don't get very often, but when we do, it's really fascinating. And, and we get a little bit of a glimpse as the demons recognize Jesus. They know who he is and what he's capable of. And it's really a fascinating glimpse that Mark gives us here in this chapter. Yeah, I mean, what's really interesting, and you're right, certainly this man who is possessed by these many demons uh, you know, is the one that, that Jesus ultimately helps. But it really is the conversation that Jesus has with the demons, yeah. uh, you know, that is remarkable. And, and really, I mean, easily the most remarkable thing and the easiest thing really to see and to take is as we talk about Jesus and the power and the authority that he's operating with, that even these demons, they recognize mm-hmm. that. You know, it, it they are very clear who has the upper hand. They yeah. are very clear who's in charge and who who ultimately gets to make the decision on on what you know what happens to them. You know, it's fascinating that th- there's you know almost a negotiation that goes on here, but it isn't from the you know you do this for for us and we'll do this for you. I mean, it is you you do this for me because you're the only one that has the power to do anything. Yeah. And it, it is striking almost how blunt. Uh, the demons are about Jesus and who he is and and really the power and authority that he operates with. Yeah, you get that question there from the, the demon in verse number seven. He cries out with a loud voice, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? You know, I implore you, don't torment me. It's almost as if the, the demons, they recognize Jesus and they're like, please just leave us alone. Yeah. Can, can you please just go somewhere else and, and leave us alone? And it's one of those instances where you just crave the backstory as to what was their understanding of Jesus and his power and, you know, what what interaction, if any, had they had with God in the spiritual realm? Was there just this understanding that they, God, Jesus, he is the most powerful being that there is, and therefore, just as everyone else is, they too are subject to his power and he knows upon seeing Jesus that whatever Christ commands, he's going to be subject to that power and authority. And that is really telling when you think about even when Jesus heals people and we see the power that he has over the physical realm, to then think about a spiritual realm in which our understanding is so limited, and yet so clearly Christ has power and authority there that even the demons that operate in that realm recognize and are subject to. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You may mention there in verse 7 about, you know, kind of the question that they, they, they throw at Jesus. And, you know, it's, the, it's the, the phrases that are used. You have in verse 7, I implore you not to do this. And then you have, you know, verse 10, uh, that he begged him earnestly that, you know, that they would, you know, just send him out of the country. And then you have in verse 12, they begged him saying, you know, just send us into the swine maybe. And so they are begging and imploring Jesus, you know, not to, you know, just, you know, get rid of them as he has been doing. But Mm -hmm. it is. I mean, listen, this fella who had all of this going on, we kind of, you know, moved into this conversation between the demons and Jesus. But he was in a bad shape. 
as any demon-possessed person made yeah. mention of in Scripture. And everybody knew that he was there, and he was in massive torment because of this situation. And, you know, it is Jesus who, who heals him, who, who takes care of him, and, and he does so through his power, mm-hmm. his power that, as we make mention of, uh, the demons— believe in who he ha- who he is and ultimately the power he has. Yeah, and it's it's that power that Jesus demonstrates to to heal this man that really scares everybody around them. <laughs> right. And you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting story. Uh you know, the people there didn't really know what to do with him when they saw this. And you get a similar story in Matthew's account as well. And there's this sense of fear that comes over people when they witness Jesus' power. And you, you have the apostles and his followers and even those who are, who are longing for his attention or for his help in some way. They are expecting these things from Jesus, even though they're still amazed when they see them. They're expecting these things. But the people in this area were caught off guard by this. They weren't necessarily the ones following Jesus. Jesus had come into their area, and they witnessed these things. And Christ's power is terrifying to them. And that, to me, is actually very relatable. I think there is a sense in which if if we don't come to fully know Jesus and know his compassion and his love for us, that's when God's power is terrifying because he is the almighty, all-knowing being. And if you don't connect that with the love and concern and care that he has for us, then what you're left with is, that's scary, please go away. And that's where these people were. And I think sometimes even people in today's world can fall into that trap as well, because they don't take the time to get to know the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God as one who loves and cares for each of us. And so if you remove that love and care, then what you're left with is fear, and that's where these people were. Yeah, it's important for us to put ourselves there. I mean, listen, these are stories we probably, a lot of us have read multiple times. We're familiar with the Gospels. We're familiar with Jesus and his miracles, and it's easy for us to read these things and think, well, that's just what Jesus did. He, he threw uh, demons out of people. He, he raised <laughs> dead people from, uh, you know, from the grave. He walked on the water. He calmed the sea. That's just what that Jesus did. You've got to expect that. That's who Jesus is. That's what he's all about. But then when you try to put yourself there, yeah. and, and you know things are you know things like this are happening that didn't routinely happen. That's the mm-hmm. the essence of a miracle, right? right? And, and so it, it would have been, you know, a, a fearful thing. And you you see it. We'll, we'll talk about it more next week. But you see it even with the disciples themselves in in Mark chapter six when Jesus is walking on the water and they yeah. see him and they're like, "What is going on?" I mean, they are afraid, you know, even themselves. And so. Yeah. You know, it, it is really a remarkable, you know, kind of thing. And so, yeah, you're right. He, he's kind of run out, and he gets into a boat, and he crosses over to the other side. And as soon as he gets over there, guess what? There's people over there, you know, wanting to grab hold of him. And Mark mm-hmm. does such a great job of painting that picture, and you see it again right here in Mark 5. Yeah, we, we've pointed this out a couple of different times, but it is telling how often Mark alludes to the multitudes that are surrounding Jesus and how many people there are, the throngs of people that are about him. He continually uses that language to help paint the picture for us of what it would have been like to be around Jesus at this time. And I, you know, I keep going back to just how overwhelming 
this would have been, certainly to be in the position that Christ was in, but to be a follower of his, to be one of the twelve, and just to be constantly swarmed by people everywhere you go, morning, evening, mid it doesn't matter. There's just people everywhere all the time uh, wanting Jesus' attention, and certainly to be able to see how he handles that so graciously and never seems to be put off by that, but always seems to show the compassion and care for these people, that in and of itself is just an amazing lesson, an amazing lesson for me in ways in which I can grow better in those areas to to just remember that everyone around me is a soul created by God, and I should have love and compassion and care for them. And so often, people can just seem to get in our way. People never seem to get in Jesus's way, even though I'm sure they were. They hindered him from being able to travel freely, but he never reacted as if people were in his way. He, he reacted as if this is why I'm here. And that that continues to show itself as he gives his attention to individuals even when the throngs are surrounding him. Yeah, and I think that's the standout to the, really the middle and end of this chapter. I mean, as as much as Mark is painting the picture of the the immense crowds around Jesus, and, and that's the his reality. I mean, you, you, you even have it right here in verse 21. You know, Jesus crossed over again by boat to the other side, and a great multitude <laughs> gathered to him, and he was there by the sea. And so he's painting that picture, but yet at the same time, the rest of this chapter is about the individual. Yeah. You have Jairus who who comes to him, and, and you know, listen, Jesus, you know, he was going somewhere. I mean, he he was he was doing something. Yep. But Jairus catches his attention. They have a conversation. He talks about his daughter who's near death, and, and Jesus, like, well, let's let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. And so he stops whatever it is he was doing. He stops for this one man, yeah. and it is all along that journey that the woman with the flow of blood touches him, and he stops yep. everything yep. and deals with this one woman and interacts with her and finishes that and then continues on with Jairus. At the same time, Mark is like, and there's just loads of people following him, mm-hmm. and he is concerned in that moment certainly here in this chapter, with those singular people. Mm-hmm. Jairus, then this woman, back to Jairus, and he's dealing with that single person. And I think it is a powerful picture of Jesus and, and what he's all about. It is. I have to imagine. I, you know, you've probably met people like this. I'm thinking of a couple in my mind where when you're talking to them, you feel like you're the most important thing in their life in that moment. And that, that's a skill. I mean, it is a, a skill that, that certain people possess to be able to make others feel heard and cared for when interacting with them. And I think Jesus was the absolute master at that. Every single person he interacted with felt like they were the most important person in his life at that moment. Even, even those who, who, like the woman that you mentioned, didn't even necessarily get his attention, just reached out and touched him. He felt the power go out of him, whatever that may have been, but then turned and gave his attention to her in that moment. It, it's it's un, unbelievable how he was able to just interact with every single person and make them feel so heard, so seen, and so important. And those are areas in which all of us, I think, can grow 
to where we, we need to be more like Christ, where we make others feel seen and we make others feel heard and we make others feel loved when they're interacting with us. We can all do better in that area. And Jesus, as you read through this, you just can't help but see how masterful he was at that. Yeah, and you know, it is it, it is Jesus putting certainly faith at the forefront, you know, of all yeah. of this. Even with the woman who, who touches him, and, you know, he, he turns to her and, and he makes the point that, listen, your your healing is because of your faith. You yep. believed, you know, just by touching me, um, you know, that th- there's power in that. And she was right. She was right to believe that. And, and even with, with Jairus in the midst of, you know, wh- whatever his thinking would have been, you know, I don't think this interaction with this woman was a, a huge amount of time, no. you know, constraint. But Jesus did stop and deal with her. And, and the Mark tells her, I mean, as soon as that's done, now Jairus is receiving the news that you know his daughter is no longer sick but she has died mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting there what Jesus says there in verse 36 you know listen don't be fearful believe right and uh, you know and continues on with her and you know so he, he's always pushing you know for those kinds of things and, and he's making you know the point we can go back to the end of you know mark chapter 4 with the you know the apostles and when he calms the sea and they're blown away by that and, and he makes point of their faith and their lack of it mm-hmm. there but yet here in chapter 5, it is the faith of, of Jairus that really comes, and certainly this woman that comes to the forefront. Yeah, and sort of kind of in bringing us to the very end of this chapter, you know, Jesus here raises this girl from the dead. And, and this is one of those moments where we, we have seen Jesus obviously heal, at this point, probably hundreds, if not thousands of people. He, he's healing people fairly regularly as he passes through cities and passes through crowds. He's not raising people from the dead all the time. You know, that's not something that we see him doing just everywhere he goes. Now, he does it a few times, and, you know, he's certainly more than capable. But this is a little bit of a unique miracle in this sense. It's one thing to heal someone who has leprosy or is blind or is mute. But but to raise someone from the dead, that's taking it to another level. And it almost you almost get the impression that Jesus and those around him understand how remarkable this is. You know, he's going into their home. It's a little bit of a smaller crowd. You can only imagine if he were to raise someone from the dead in a very public setting, the the chaos that would have caused. And now you're having people, hey, my grandma died 10 years ago. Can you <laughs> raise right. her from the dead? I mean, you can just imagine how that could could lead to even more chaos around Jesus. And so it almost seems as if he treats this a little bit differently because of what's taking place here and because of the uniqueness of what he's about to do. Uh, But it is remarkable to those who see him obviously raise someone from the dead. Yeah, Jesus is operating that way. I mean, Mark tells us that he 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 only takes Peter, James, and John with him. That that's it. Everyone else has to stay behind. He only takes them. When he gets to the house, he puts everyone outside and only takes the father and mother. And, and you know, and most certainly you have you know verse forty two. It, it's you know it, immediately the girl arose. She walked. She was twelve years of age, and then they were overcome with great amazement. Yeah. And that's a phrase that, you know, we've seen people be amazed, but Mark kind of alludes to, you know, this is 
this was one of the most amazing things, you know, that could ever happen. And then he, you know, he tells them there in verse 43, uh, let's make sure, maybe this one isn't one we're going to talk a whole lot about. And I think to your point, um, you know, because Jesus is still very focused on his purpose, mm-hmm. and uh, and he certainly doesn't want to be pulled off of that. Yeah, we see him doing that a couple of times, telling people, you know, don't don't tell others about this. Generally, they don't tend to listen very well, and word spreads regardless. I'm sure <laughs> right. that happened in this instance as well. Sure. You can only keep that to yourself for so long, but certainly we see Jesus trying to preserve his ability to move about and continue to do his work. We'll go ahead and stop there for today. We'll pick up in chapter 6 next week with some more uh, amazing stories from Jesus' life.